I say this a lot of places, and I'm not saying this because of the former pastor, but I don't like preaching to the Wood family. I'm talking about empty pews. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Isn't God so good? I can't imagine why he loved me. The grand thing is he let me know he loves me. Amen. Changed my life. All right. Isaiah chapter 12, if you'll find that place in your Bible. Isaiah chapter 12. Isaiah chapter 12. reason I pause, I want you to look at the verse that I'm going to speak from tonight. I really want you to see what it says. Just a word of prayer. Father, we come to you tonight because we're helpless creatures. And we're made aware of that every day of our life. Without you, we can do nothing, but you clearly tell us that with you, we can do all things, because you are our strength and our help, our wisdom. We pray tonight, Lord, that you would speak in a way that each individual will know they've heard your voice. Manifest yourself through your word. And if there's one in the regions of darkness, I pray for them tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Before I read verse number two, I want to quote two other passages in Exodus chapter number 15 and verse number two. It reads like this. It says, the Lord is my strength and my song. And it's become my salvation. In the book of Psalms, chapter 118 and verse number 14, it says, The Lord is my strength, my song, and it's become my salvation. Isaiah 12 and verse 2 says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength, my song, and he has become my salvation. Now look at the verse. I want to say it one more time while you're looking at it. Behold. It's a word that is used to point to someone, place, or thing. So tonight he's pointing us. He says to the Lord Jehovah. You'll notice that he says, God, that's the one he's pointing us to. God is my salvation. I will trust. I will put confidence in. And not be afraid. I will not be timid. I will not be cautious. 
I have confidence in him, and I'm just going to jump right in his arms. I'm the God of your salvation. I want you to trust in me. I want you to act like you're not afraid. Then the next word is for. And that word is just simply saying because of. Because of what? The Lord Jehovah is my strength, my song, and has become my salvation. If he is your strength, your song, and your salvation, how could you not be confident? How could we not put confidence in him? You'll notice that Moses in Exodus, you'll notice that the psalmist in the Psalms, and now Isaiah the prophet, is saying to you and me, this is what God is to me. Notice he said, the Lord is. It's present tense. Can you say in this service tonight that the Lord is all of this to you? If that's what Moses and what the psalmist and what the prophet is saying, would you let me ask you a question tonight? What is Jesus Christ to you? If he's all of that to them, what is he to you? It's not good enough that uh, I hear the pastor say all of that. It's not good enough that you tell me all of that. What is that to me? You see, this has got to be a personal thing. Have you noticed in reading the Psalms that the psalmist is always telling you what he is to him? Yeah, as you read the Psalms, he'll say, the Lord is my rock, the Lord is my fortress, the Lord is my butler, the Lord is my tower, the Lord is my shield, and on and on and on you can go because David had an experience with God. If you've had an experience, you can tell about it. Now, if you've just had an opinion, that's a different thing. I don't know about you, but August the 9th, 1965, I had an experience with God. I went down a sinner, I come up a saint. <laughs> I'll never forget, you may have heard of this preacher in this area, I don't know, Mays Jackson. He was a tremendous evangelist. Mays Jackson was preaching that night, and I came and knelt down to pray. And Mays come over and bent over down toward me and put his big old hand down. And he said to me, Dennis, if you want Christ to save you tonight, I want you to take him, receive him. And he said, as you receive him, I want you to reach up and grab my hand. And so I just stayed knelt there for a little bit. Then he said, if you're going to receive him, reach up and get my hand. So I reached up to get his hand. And when I did, he moved his hand. 
He said, do you really mean you want to receive? I jumped up and grabbed his hand. He said, what happened? I said, I just got saved. I didn't know nothing else to say. You see, I was a babe in Christ. But what I did know is I got saved. And I could tell anybody anywhere in the world that I've been redeemed by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm asking you tonight, what is Jesus Christ to you? Can you honestly say what he is to you? Moses said, he's my salvation. The psalmist said, he's my song. And Isaiah the prophet said, he's my strength. What is he to you? I'm going to begin with the word salvation. You notice that all three of them said, he is my salvation. What is salvation? It's the essential thing. You see, there's a lot of things that are nice, but there's only one thing that is necessary. You see what I'm trying to tell you? It's the indispensable thing. You can't do away with it. There's no way to get out of this world alive unless you have trusted Christ as your Savior. Oh, you may die physically, but it'll have to be the moment of your eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ personally. You see, I'm already saved and with him spiritually, but there's coming today. I'm going to leave this body, and he says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. What a glorious truth this simply is. You see, even Jesus himself I don't mean this even Jesus like uh, even he said this. No, this is what he said. He said, you must be born again. That word must means that it is a divine imperative. You must be born again. It's a divine requirement. He, he's clearly saying to you and me, regeneration is not a luxury. Regeneration is an imperative. That word imperative is trying to tell you that this is a very important thing for you. Before I got saved, I was under conviction. I knew there was something missing in my life. But after I got saved, I found out how good it is, <laughs> how necessary it is to be saved by the grace of God. He's emphasizing to you and me that there is no other way. You see, if you're ever going to see the kingdom of God, you've got to get born again. Amen. Watch it again. You know the verse, and you could probably say it even better than I can, but he said, very, very, I see except a man be born again, he cannot. What'd you say? See? The kingdom of God. Yes. I pastored 35 years. I was in full-time mission work for 20 years. I cannot tell you how many times talking to somebody and they would say something to me like this. Preacher, I just don't see it. Are you listening to me? 
That's what he's saying. This Bible said the natural man understandeth not the things of the Spirit of God. This world thinks you and I are stupid for being in this building tonight worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. They can't see what is it we have in Christ. You see, I'm not here because I have to be. I already have Social Security. It ain't very much. I pastored small churches and they did. There's one time, eight straight years, I didn't even pay any Social Security because I didn't make enough money to pay it. So I don't draw much. So what I'm simply saying to you is, this world can't see why you and I are in here. But I'm in here because I want to worship the Lamb of God. I want to hear His blessed Word open up and preach to feed my soul the bread of God. For a hungry world. Oh, my soul, my soul, my soul. He goes on to say in verse 5, he, he, he says to you and me, He cannot enter into the kingdom of God unless He's been saved. You see, not only can you not see it, you couldn't get in. You see, this is the very thing that opens the door of heaven to you. Because you've been changed from an earthly creature to a heavenly creature in Christ Jesus. <laughs> I know this is simple, but you see, we're trying to get too far away from the things people understand and can get a hold of. And the verse clearly says you can't get in. You see, salvation is an indispensable thing for your life. Why is this salvation so essential? Because you were dead in sin. Because you were disobedient in soul. Because you were depraved in body in sin. So it's an absolutely imperative that you get saved. The noun that is used here for salvation, it actually means deliverance. And you can put it anywhere in where salvation is used and it works beautifully. You see, what he did was he saved me. He delivered me out of sin's bondage. And now I have liberty in Christ Jesus. That's what happened when the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea. God delivered them from the Egypt, uh, Egyptian army that was by, uh, behind the, under Pharaoh. And because they went through the sea all the way on the other side. Did you notice that nowhere in the Bible did they ever tell you that they stopped in the middle of the sea and had a party? You say, what would have happened if they had a? They would have drowned. That water would have come rushing back down on them. I'm simply saying to you, my dear friend, when God saved us, he delivers us. Oh, what wonderful truths in the Word of God. The psalmist said, uh, Moses said, Israel, I mean, Isaiah, uh, the prophet Isaiah said, my salvation. Did, did you notice that in all of these verses, he kept using the word my? The Lord is my salvation. You see, it ain't going to do you no good to get up and say the Lord is a Savior. 
It's got to become far more personal than that. The Lord is my Savior. Salvation is a new experience with God. The first experience was He put me under Holy Ghost conviction. The second experience was when I trusted Him, I became personally acquainted with Him. He became my Lord and my Savior. Salvation. Watch it again. The essential thing. But then he comes to the word strength. <laughs> he, he said the Lord is my strength. Your strength is the invigorating thing. God gives you invigoration and strength to keep going on and pressing on. But I want to say it this way, if you'll let me. Not only is salvation the essential thing, strength is the everyday thing. You see, I need the Lord every day of my life. Oh, absolutely. So I'm going to say that strength is the everyday thing. Would you notice that God starts off by saving us and then he ends up by giving us some strength for every day of our life to keep pressing on? My personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ himself. You, you, you see, it's his love uh, I'm trying to think how I want to say this. It is his love that is individual love. But it is love that is individual is in, individually eyes. In other words, he fits it to your need. In this congregation tonight, there's how many is here? I don't know. But how many there are? There's that many individuals. So he not only saved Dennis Petty for his personal needs, he saved you for your personal needs. And this salvation that he gives you is personalized. This dear congregational song leader here has needs in his life I don't have. But I have needs in my life he don't have. So what God does in loving us and giving us strength, he personalizes it. Hey, <laughs> like that. Yeah. In the first church that I pastored, it was a schooling time. I stayed two and a half years, and, and uh, I would have stayed longer, but they said they didn't want me no more. Yeah. Hey, uh, Decided they wanted somebody else. He was one of my deacons who was selling liquor, and I called him selling it. And uh, I asked for his resignation, and the whole deacon board resigned. And I asked for the church to take the resignation, and the chairman of the deacon stood up and said, we decided we'd rather have him than to have you. So I had to leave. But I can't tell you what God has taught me through that experience. That has not happened to your pastor. So he didn't need what I needed at that time. I said to myself, I had just quit the post office. You're going to starve. You don't have a church. You don't have a check. 
So I walked out the side door. There was a side door to the congregation. I walked out. The wife and I did. Got in my car and I left. Thirty minutes later, that chairman of deacons knocked on the door and said, our decorum says that you're to stay 30 days after you resign. And he said, we decided not to pay you for 30 days and tell you not to come back again. So I took his check. The next morning, the wife and I are having breakfast, and there's a knock on the front door. And I say, I wonder who that is. I went to the door and opened it, and there's a man standing there I'd never seen before in my life. And he said to me, is your name Dennis Petty? And I said, yes, sir. He said, I don't understand this, but he said, I didn't sleep last night. He said, all night long, God bothered me and told me to go to your house, knock on the door, and give you $40. So I took his two twenties, his forty dollars. Come back in and wife had heard all of it, but I'm gonna tell it to her again. And I said, Can you imagine? They run me off last night, Wednesday night, they run me off. I got a month's salary. And now this morning God sent by somebody to give me forty more dollars and I wasn't making but eighty five a week there. So I got half of my check again. The next day, my wife's uncle called. He had a mail route from Atlanta down to Social Circle, Georgia, and back. He said, I just decided to call you. I heard about what happened to you and said, if you'll drive my truck from 11 o'clock in the morning to Atlanta and let them unload and it could come back to Social Circle, I'd pay you $100 a week. I said, got a month's salary. I got $40 extra, and now a job doing getting $100 a week. Fifty people were starting a new church in Covington, Georgia, and they called and said, if you'll come by and just preach on Sunday for us, said, we'll pay you $100 a week. <laughs> what I'm saying is God individualizes his love. He gives us what fits us. You talk about making me strong. If I'd have been full of self at that time, I'd say, tell the devil to come home. I was a banging and boasting and filling it in myself. But God individualized his love for me and he put strength in me, made me strong in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm strengthened by his might, the word of God says. Oh, yeah. And he said this. He said, we're strengthened, Colossians 1 and verse 11. He said, with the power of his glory. Now, what is the glory of God? There's numerous words in the Bible that is translated glory in the word of God. And all of them has a meaning. One of those meanings for glory is his character. Oh, yeah. So he said, I'm going to strengthen you with my character. <laughs> well, mine ain't worth a dime, but boy, his is worth a lot. 
Amen. And he's going to strengthen me with his character. What does that mean? He's going to make me like himself. What a wonderful God that we have. You see, it's not aspiration that keeps you going. It is not perspiration that keeps you going. It is not determination that keeps you going. It's invigoration. He puts his strength in us. We keep moving on for his honor and his glory. God is my strength. Listen to me again. God is my every day thing. You see, I can't make it one day without him. So that strength that he gives me since he gave me salvation is to keep me going every day of my life. The Lord is my salvation. The Lord is my strength. I'm going to say this and I'm through. The Lord is my song. My soul, my soul. Did you know the first recorded song in the Bible is in Exodus chapter 15 and verse number 2? All the way through Genesis, they're not singing. Again in the Exodus... And God takes them out of Egypt and gives them a song. Why? Because he puts a song in our heart. Even praise to God upon our lips. <laughs> I'm not much of a singer. I like to sing. And I would more, but everybody gets up and leaves. <laughs> My wife's the singer, not me. And I'm the preacher and not her. Amen. She does a lot of preaching, but nobody hears it but me. Here he says, he gives us a song. What in the world is a song? If salvation is the essential thing and strength is the everyday thing, song is the extra thing. You see, you can go to heaven without a song, but it's always better to go to heaven with one. What in the world is a song? It's a Sunday with the cherry put on the top of it. You don't need the cherry, but it sure makes it look pretty. Are you listening to me? God gives us the extra thing. The Bible says, then. When is then? Then the children of Israel sang unto the Lord. Did you notice they never sung till he got them out of Egypt? What are you going to sing about? Have you ever tried to sing while you're having to fuss with somebody? You just can't do it. It's even hard to sing in the shower if you're mad at your wife. Let, listen to what it, I know it sounds a little silly, but you see, sometimes we've got to put it down to where we can get it. He said he gives us a song. Did you notice in studying the book of Exodus, way back there at the front of the book, before you get chapter number 2 and verse 23 is a verse, he, he says this, he said, that the children of Israel sighed because of their bondage. 
But notice when you get to 15, he said, Then sang they. You see, in bondage under Egypt, they were sighing. But when they got out from under bondage, they started singing. <laughs> I may cannot do it good, but I tell you, I can sing Amazing Grace and enjoy it as good as anybody. Yeah, John, you, you think he knew something? Sure he did. But only he didn't know a bit more than I know. And that same grace of God I've experienced. Aren't you glad that he gives us a song so that you and I can sing? I don't know about you, but I like singing better than complaining. I like being happy, rejoicing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Spontaneously, when you get saved, he said, I put a new song in your mouth. Even praise to God upon your lips. God gives us a song. Listen to Ephesians 5 and verse 19. It goes something like this. Sing unto yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. He said, making praise unto the Lord. You're singing to him. In other words, he has put a song in our mouth. Even the praise to God upon our lips. What is the song doing? The song is telling you you got health in your spiritual life. In other words, your spiritual life is not sick. You have health in Him. So now you're singing to the Lord. It's audible. I said that it's the extra thing. He gave us salvation. He gave us strength. And that will get you to heaven. But it's a lot better to go to heaven singing than it is complaining. Amen. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Now, why in the world did he give us a song? Stay with me just five more minutes and I'll, I'll tell you. Why did he give you a song? Because singing enriches our faith. You notice you don't sing when you're pouting. You sing when you're shouting. When you're going down the road and there ain't nobody in the car but you. I was going to work one morning. I worked the post office that time. I pulled up to a stop sign. This is in Atlanta, downtown Atlanta. And I pulled up to a red light and I'm rejoicing. I hadn't been saved all that long. And I was really rejoicing in the Lord and I was singing at the top of my voice. And all of a sudden it dawned on me that there's a car sitting beside me and I turned and I looked and he's all goggle-eyed. I thought I bet he's saying that's the biggest fool I've seen today. But he don't know that guy in the car with me that I couldn't see, I sure was experiencing his presence and I was singing a song and it was enriching my faith. Oh, Absolutely. Isn't it good that God will enrich our faith for us? Did you know that half of the satisfaction of something good happening to you is you telling somebody else? Amen. Yeah. Have you ever had something real good and exciting happen to you and you kept your mouth shut? Everybody you saw that day, they had to stand there and listen to you tell about it. You know why? Because your faith had enriched you and you just want to share it with somebody else. Let it enrich you. Not only singing enriches our faith, singing 
encourages our friends. Yeah. Have you noticed somebody starts singing in church and it blesses you and somebody stick their hand up? I saw the pastor this morning acting like a fool sticking his hands up in the air. You know what happened? What was happening in his soul was exciting him. Amen. Absolutely. You know what happened? What he was hearing the choir doing, what he is hearing when the specials were singing? Was Are you listening? Encouraging his friends. Oh, absolutely. They're getting in on it, and you're encouraging them because you're singing. It not only enriches your faith, not only are you listening, does it encourage our friends. Let me go back and give you a verse to help you understand that. But he said, teaching, watch this now, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and praise unto God. How are you encouraging your friend? Singing. Not only does it enrich my faith and encourage my friends, but it eulogizes my father. Yeah, listen to what this Bible said. Psalm 69, 30. He said, I will praise the Lord with a song. I will praise the Lord with a song. This Bible says in Psalm 47 and verse 6, sing praises unto God, sing praises, sing praises unto the King. 96 and verse 2, sing unto the Lord, bless his name. Psalm chapter 40 and verse number 3, he said, many shall see it and trust in the Lord. Why would they trust in the Lord? They saw somebody singing and heard the praises of the great God Jehovah himself. I don't know about you, but I think I'll just keep on singing. Amen. Amen. Just keep on singing. Would you notice with me that there was vocal expressed, but there was visible results. Many shall see it and trust in the Lord, but they can't see it unless you're singing it where that they can see it. I'm through, but I want to inject this into your mind. The Lord is my salvation. The Lord is my invigoration. The Lord is my jubilation. I'm happy because of him. But what about you? Are you happy and trusting in the Lord himself? at the house for years and years. I don't even know how we got it. But sitting on a little end table was a little plaque, and it went something like this. It says, only one life to soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. I don't know where it went to. It's probably still there somewhere in a box or, you know, put up somewhere. But that little motto got a hold of my life. And I got to looking at it, and here's what I saw. Only one life. It's short. <laughs> Back up. It's single. Only one life. If you had three or four, you may waste two or three. But you only got one. It's single. 
Then it says, "Twill soon be past. It's short. Our aunt that passed away and I preached her funeral yesterday afternoon. She's 93. In a couple of days, she was actually still 92, but just in a few days, she's going to be 93. If you had have asked her, ain't Opal would have said, this has been a short life. It's short. It's not only single, one life. To soon be passed, it's short. Only what's done for Christ will last. It's serious. What are you going to do with Christ in this invitation tonight? What are you going to do with him before you get up and exit this building tonight? You see, this is not something to play with. This is not something to dream about. This is not something to drift with. This is something serious. You must do something now. God put you on earth. You wasn't a surprise to God. You, you see, God is an everlasting God. What does that mean? It means he didn't only have a past and he doesn't have a future. He's living right now, all of those in the past. He's living right now what's present. He's already living what's already ha going to happen out there in the future. Why? Because he's an eternal, everlasting God. Amen. You say this God we're talking about, he can handle it all. Amen. Oh, absolutely. Paul put it like this. Watch what he said. Philippians 1.20. He said, for me to live is Christ. Watch what he said. For me to live, the next word, is, present tense, right now, Christ living all over again. He said, if you saw me walking down the Damascus road today, he said, you would literally not see Saul of Tarsus. You would see Jesus Christ. Man. For me to live is Christ living all over again. Would you let me put it this way? Paul was also saying, for me to live is for you to know Christ. He said, I live that I might point you to the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Your life is short. Your life is single. Your life better be serious. And not walk in foolishness. So if I was going to repeat what the Lord would be saying to you, he's saying, choose you this day whom you will serve. Don't put it off. Choose you this day whom you will serve. The pastor so eloquently tonight told us what revival is. but you'll never know it until you start choosing whom you're going to serve. Amen. You see, he gives you the bread of life, but you choose where you eat it or not. You've got to make a choice. Amen. And I'm asking you, will you put the choice off? Will you push it aside? 
Or you will say, today, I'm going to take you as my Savior. I love what John 1.12 said, but as many. I don't know how many of the many are, but as many, however many are. If there's ever billions and trillions of people, I don't know if they did. He said, as many as received me. What do you got to do? Take him. Choose you this day whom you will serve. And I promise you, if you get saved, it'll be for serving God. Every head bowed, Father.